Hi, I'm Bernard Leung and you may know me as the executive who loves drinking coffee when I start my day at work and in my spare time, I want to know why Luckin Coffee is now taking on Starbucks in China. You're listening to Analyze Asia, the weekly podcast dedicated to business technology and media in Asia. And today I have Matthew Brennan, co-founder of China Channel and host of China Tech Talk. Welcome Matthew and it's great to have you back again. Hi Bernard, good to be back as always. Yes, so since our last conversation, what have you been up to? Oh, I've recently been doing a lot of speaking and traveling around. I was at TechCrunch Shenzhen a couple of days ago. That was fun. I was in Estonia last week doing a talk about WeChat Pay and cross-border and mini programs for tourism. Before that, I was back in China doing some sessions for executive groups. Today, I'm in Chengdu, so nice to be back in my home office. So how did TechCrunch Shenzhen go? Yeah, it was good. On the first day, we also did some podcasts with Walmart China, found out more about their in-store experiences in terms of how they've been leveraging mini programs, what they're thinking about with artificial intelligence. Yeah, that was pretty interesting in talking about new retail. And we also had a chance to catch up with HTC, with Alvin Wang Grayling, and talk about VR and AR, and that was also pretty interesting. You know, 5G is coming soon, so hopefully that will be something that has a big impact on that technology. So I know that you have covered the scandal of Mafung War recently with Bo Yuan and John in your podcast. What I'm interested to know, what are your thoughts on fake reviews or fake user growth in China tech startups as a whole? Yeah, unfortunately, it is a really serious industry problem, I think. And it's got to a stage where actually most people within the industry take it as a given and it's not really considered to be a problem. That in itself, I think, is a problem that we can't really trust the numbers on platforms when we look at social engagement, when we look at open platforms such as the short video giants uh, like Douyin, like Kuaishou, or the established social media platforms like Weibo. These numbers are kind of meaningless sometimes. You know, there's been so much robots and fake engagement and all different kinds of techniques. And also in the podcast, we went on to like discuss things like even in the music industry where we find Chinese artists are using perhaps not so much robots, but galvanizing their fan base in order to manipulate ranking systems to all, you know, buy a single on the same day in order to shoot it up the charts. And in China, this stuff is just accepted. And I think people don't like it, but they it's part of life and it's, it's much more accepted here. Whereas outside, people look at it as at very best manipulation and and at very worst, you know, just downright cheating. There's a clash of a clash of cultures, I guess. But I think there are Chinese people, very many of them, who are wanting to stop this behavior and create a better, healthier ecosystem. So that's what we were covering. And I think it's an interesting area to explore. And I think that at some point, you're going to have a social credit system for these fake reviews and fake user growth, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's a whole topic. Social credit is really uh, something I don't want to get into because people feel so strongly about it. And there's a lot of misinformation, actually. But I think the reason why such schemes are being pushed forward by the government and by private companies is to address a real issue of lack of trust. And if that can be addressed, uh, that is definitely a benefit. So, Matthew, today I got you here because I thought that the main topic is talking about coffee in China. I know you have done several episodes on Luckin Coffee in your podcast, but I think what I want to center the conversation on today is Luckin Coffee versus Starbucks in China. And actually, 
I have also tried Luckin Coffee when I was in Shenzhen two weeks ago. So we'll be very curious to know what's the backstory of this company. So to start, what is the history behind Luckin Coffee and who founded the company? Well, Luckin Coffee is a very young company. They're from Beijing. They really kicked off late last year. We're in November recording this now, and I think they started off almost about a year ago now. I checked their WeChat account was registered in November last year. They actually hadn't opened stores then, but as far as I can work out, November last year was when they started kicking off. The CEO Jenny Chen is actually a co-founder of the ride-sharing firm Ucar. She was a CEO of Ucar for over a decade, and most of the core team are actually people from Ucar. So we've got an experienced founding team here. These guys are not newbies. They've been in the online to offline business for, in Jenny's case, for a decade. So they've switched markets. But Lucking, although it's coffee, I believe it is an internet business in many respects. It's certainly an online to offline business, and they have a startup mindset. And we can see that in their growth, and we can see that in their marketing, and we can see that in their operations as well, as we'll get into later on. So the team is.、Uh, I think they've seen an opportunity in this market and gone for it and gone for it very fast. And so where we are today, now Lucking has had explosive growth over this past year. And the Chinese name for Lucking Coffee is called Raising Coffee. So what is the current mission and vision of Lucking Coffee? I can find a, a mission statement as such, but it's quite clear that they are positioning themselves to bring the coffee experience, as has been popularized in China by brands such as Starbucks. It's interesting because the coffee market in China is significantly different to Western markets in that the Starbucks experience in the mainland is a premium experience, and the price point. Compared to other beverages, is relatively high, actually. And Starbucks, I would say, up until recently, was considered to be a premium aspirational brand. And to hold a Starbucks cup in your hand would be a statement for a young person that they had disposable income. And it was a brand that I think young people, affluent people, white collar workers would want to be associated with. Whereas Luckin's positioning is more of a mass market in terms of both branding and price point. They are really going for the white collar office workers because coffee culture has a long way to go in China. It's nowhere near the levels that we would see in Singapore, where you are today, or in Japan or South Korea or even Hong Kong or Taiwan. There's a big gap there between coffee consumption per person on the mainland and in those other East Asian markets or Southeast Asian markets. So that's the opportunity that Luckin I think has identified. We can be fairly confident that the amount of coffee per person will rise considerably over the next say decade on the mainland. And at the moment, there are other players in the market as well. Coffee Box would be one of them. Haiti is also a popular brand, but none of them have taken such an aggressive stance as Luckin in order to enter this market and compete directly with Starbucks. I'm very curious because two weeks ago I saw a Luckin coffee store in Shenzhen. A couple of colleagues and myself we went to buy the coffee direct, and of course the first problem we had was because we need an invoice to claim the receipts. It was very difficult to print the receipt, so it took a long, long time. And then later, when I tweeted this out, 
and talk about drinking Dunkin' Coffee, which is pretty good, by the way. I've seen even they have um, advertisements showing the two coffee brewery masters doing their coffee. What I was taken by surprise, someone tweeted back to me and said, have you used the app to get the coffee? So I want to ask you this question. How does customers access Luckin Coffee through their app or through a physical store? Yeah, everything is done purchase-wise through the app. They also have a mini program now, actually, but that's a fairly new development. And I would guess that the percentage of purchases on that would be in the single digit. Most, nearly all of it's running through their app. Within the mainland for Luckin Coffee, if you do physically visit one of their stores, the purchasing process is slightly different from what you would expect in that they usually provide free Wi-Fi at the venue if you need it, but you'll have to download their app in order to buy anything. Actually, it's quite similar to Hermar Supermarkets in that respect, which is another poster child for new retail. I think Luckin Coffee is even more a classic case study for new retail in that if you physically visit their store and you have to download the app, if you're a first-time customer, once you've registered your account with your phone number, you'll actually receive a free coffee. That first free coffee for downloading the app kind of takes the pain out of that app download process, which normally you'd expect to be quite difficult in order to convert customers to download an app. It's quite a cumbersome process. But the free coffee kind of gets over that. And then the idea is once you've used the app to get that coffee, when you leave the store, you would make repeat purchases from your home or from your office through the app rather than coming to the store in person. When you're actually in the store, there's no cashier, there's no POS machine, there's only a QR code to download the app, and then another small little scanner when you collect the coffee in order to verify the QR code on your phone. That's it. That's right. That's the, exactly the experience that I'm talking about, which if you are someone coming from overseas, it's going to be extremely difficult to actually access Luckin Coffee unless you go through their app, which I think I'm going to do it the next time around when I'm in China. So what distinguishes Luckin Coffee from Starbucks then? Where do you think their competitive advantage is and how do they change the coffee landscape with regards to retail and delivery? Well, up until recently, Starbucks didn't do delivery. If you wanted a Starbucks delivery, it was possible, but it would have to happen through a third-party vendor. That's changed now with their announcement of their strategic cooperation with Alibaba Group. They'll be offering deliveries through the Hermar supermarket system as well. It's quite strange, actually, that it take them so long to work this out. If you look at other American brands, such as McDonald's would be a good example, they've had their own delivery for a long time, actually, quite established that you can get McDonald's delivered anywhere in tier one, tier two city across China. KFC would be another good example. But Starbucks has been quite slow here. Luckin is all about delivery. It's a very similar model to Hermar in that it's all about downloading the app once and then maybe when you come to the store and then ordering coffee through the app. The positioning in terms of price, as I mentioned earlier, is lower. So a Starbucks coffee would be something around 32, 35 yuan, something in that region in China, whereas a Luckin coffee typically would be in the mid-20s. And actually, they'd run a lot of discount coupons since they've been open one year. I buy Luckin coffee regularly. Uh, I actually have one in front of me right now. And if you're a regular customer, then the coupon system actually means the real price of a coffee on, on Luckin is closer to about 12 yuan. So that would put it at about one third of the price of Starbucks right now. 
So it's a very substantial price difference. So they're really going for those office workers. Where I see Lucking being purchased the most is when I go into things like co-working spaces or into offices of tech companies where those office workers will buy in bulk and get quite substantial discounts. The model for Luckin also is substantially different from Starbucks in terms of the experience. So Starbucks has many stores in premium spaces in malls with large amount of seating available. Whereas most Lucking stores right now are simply fulfillment centers. They have no seating and they might be situated in housing estates or housing communities rather with no seating and actually low foot traffic areas. And perhaps they're not even going for walk-in traffic. They're simply looking to cover a large area where people are living or a large office area and do everything delivery wise. They do have stores similar to Starbucks with seating, but as a percentage wise, it's really not that high. So I must be very lucky because the one that I was in in Shenzhen actually has a store and there were very good seats and decoration around like the office building for a tech company there. Yeah, I mean, they do have them for sure. And I think as a percentage, it will rise over time. But right now, as of we're speaking, I just before we recorded the podcast, checked the WeChat official account for Luckin. Um, they actually have over 1,500 stores as of today across mainland China in 21 cities. And just in the past week, they opened 53 stores over 19 different cities. You know, 50 stores a week in terms of opening them is quite usual. And they've got up to 1,500 stores across 21 different cities. They've stated before that they want to reach 2,000 by the end of the year for 2018. And to put that into context, Starbucks has roughly about 3,500 stores in China. They have uh, 29,000 stores globally. So by next year, it's very likely that Luckin will have an equal or even surpass the number of stores compared to what currently is the market leader Starbucks in China. I think this is interesting because when I was in Beijing, I came across Luckin Coffee, but the coffee stand hasn't opened yet actually for Luckin Coffee. So they're actually aggressively opening as many places as possible. So it was only in Shenzhen I was able to try it for the first time. But who are now the investors behind Luckin Coffee other than Tencent? Well, actually, Tencent, I don't think is officially an investor. It's quite clear that they're close. The investment so far has been Series A, which valued the company at 1 billion USD. The investor was GIC Singapore, and they put in 200 million. So it's still at an early stage in terms of investment, but already a unicorn. And as we saw from the store growth I mentioned there before, we can expect them to be burning a lot of cash right now. And there'll probably be a Series B quite soon, I imagine. So is Starbucks really under threat by Luckin Coffee then? How will they fend off against Luckin? Because I think they are still perceived as a brand in China, right? Not so much as a mass market type product. Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I think that certainly the deal that Starbucks has done with Alibaba is reactive to what Luckin's been doing. Starbucks is still in a very strong position. I don't think it's a case of one will win, one will lose. Both will have their place in the market moving forward. But I would expect, let's say we're looking two years away from where we are today, it's quite clear this pace of opening stores that Luckin will be the larger brand. They're likely, at least by volume of cups sold, to be the market leader in two years' time. 
So that's quite incredible considering the natural pace of growth there for offline stores. Yeah, I don't know too many other companies that have been able to open that many stores that fast. So the positioning between the two in terms of price, and right now I think I've already explained. So I believe that both will have their place in the market, but Lucking is addressing a larger market segment. And right now, in terms of also their product, if you're into coffee and you care about coffee, definitely Starbucks has the better product. There is also another tier of coffee shop above that, of course, you know, these niche coffee shops which provide a very nice cup of coffee for those people who are really into coffee culture, who probably would even look down on Starbucks as well. So there's these different segments of coffee drinker in the market. And Luckin is going for the mass market quite clearly and trying to bring and cultivate that coffee drinking habit amongst a very large segment of office workers and just general middle-class mainland Chinese. And uh, if they're able to successfully do that, they should actually end up with a much larger market share, I believe. People have pointed out that uh, right now, you know, they're subsidizing the coffee and they're burning a lot of money. So what happens? Uh, we see this dynamic so many times, right? So what happens when they stop burning money and actually have to turn a profit? I think it's actually quite promising for them. They're definitely going for a volume play in terms of their stores, but coffee has a very high markup. Making an individual coffee and the materials and all that is actually relatively low. So even though they're selling them at a discount, as long as they've got the volume, I'm still quite optimistic that the model will work and actually be profitable. Quite different from bike sharing, actually, <laughs> you know, where they had this very, very rapid growth. But actually, when you use their service, you're usually paying one RMB, which are very low or, or perhaps even less to use those bikes. But for coffee, even after the discounts, you're still usually paying around 30 RMB per order, which is, you know, a lot more. So this is interesting because the unit economics for coffee drinking is actually better than bike sharing. That's what you're trying to say, right? Yeah, I think because you could compare the two quite easily, right? I mean, beginning of last year, everyone was talking about bike sharing and the explosive growth of all these bikes. And this year, there's also explosive growth in coffee. And so when you see this new market open up and suddenly this Chinese company pops up and is having such, such rapid growth, the question is, you know, is this sustainable? And are they just burning money? So I wanted to address that and point out that there's quite a big difference. Even with the coupons, the average purchase amount is still much, much higher than what we saw previously last year with something like bike sharing. You are alluding to the fact that actually Luckin Coffee is targeting what we call the mass market segment. It's more popular for the more day-to-day -day office workers and etc. But one thing I do notice when I was at the Shenzhen Luckin Coffee store, I'm starting to see them putting up posters about high-quality coffee and putting good coffee baristas, brewery masters from Italy with you know, all these ads. Do you think that they will eventually go upstream and take on Starbucks as a brand too? Yeah, exactly. I think they will. I think going upstream is probably going to be quite easy for them. Their branding and their brand ambassadors, their logo, their marketing messaging is, I think it's quite nice. I think they've done an excellent job and pitched it quite well. And it's a Chinese brand as well, which is always a good thing when you're competing with an American brand. These kind of dynamics matter as well. And to go back to the point about Coffee Bear having a margin, I got some stats about Starbucks, actually, because they're a publicly listed company, you can get more detailed numbers on them. They actually in China have a 37% margin per store. And the average Chinese store that they open will make its money back in 1.2 years. 
To open a Chinese store costs them about 300k USD. China currently accounts for 13% of their revenue. So you can see here that there is a very nice business here. It's, it's a quite a good market. I think that's why the Luckin founders realized that actually there is a very good opportunity here. And this has got very nice margins. Here's the interesting point now. Starbucks has partnered with Alibaba and Tencent has invested in Luckin Coffee or a partner of Luckin Coffee. Is this another showcase of proxy war between Alibaba and Tencent beyond retail and other areas? Yeah, to some degree it is, I believe. The moment that Alibaba announced that they were partnering with Starbucks, it was just a matter of time. I believe Tencent probably will invest in Luckin. I was at the Tencent Global Partners Conference a couple of weeks ago and Luckin had a big stand there. So the two are quite friendly, for sure. Luckin spends a lot on WeChat advertisements. When you do use their app to make a payment, WeChat Pay has a big recommended button next to it. They don't block Alipay, but they recommend you use WeChat Pay. And so that's the biggest indicator for me. Across all of these industries, you can tell their alignment between the giants by which payment method they're pushing you towards using. And that's the clearest indicator of how strong the relationship is. So it's quite clear that they're very friendly and we haven't seen them invest yet, but I think it's quite likely that that will happen at some point. I thought I should just give an anecdote when I visited Alibaba HQ in Hangzhou. There is actually a Starbucks cafe in the HQ itself and it's super long queue to get a cup of coffee there in the Starbucks inside Alibaba HQ. So I can see why they also partner with Alibaba as well, given that they have been there for a very long time. So does that mean any startup who want to succeed in China now need to take sides between Alibaba and Tencent? Given I think you have coffee, you have smart retail, you have e-commerce and you have logistics wars going across, not just in China, but outside China as well. Certainly there's been a dynamic in play in the market for quite some time. We are hearing that brands are complaining about this more and more, that they're being pushed to join one ecosystem or the other whether that's Tencent and JD or whether it's Alibaba. But again, we do have examples, of ByteDance being the poster child for this. It is possible to not pick sides and still succeed. So it was interesting. There was a comment from one of the Tencent investment teams in an interview they did a couple of months ago, which I translated about how Alibaba or Tencent don't really care too much about a certain area until it reaches a certain scale. It's not about if I align with Alibaba, then I'm going to grow. You have to display that you have a certain scale and a certain value before either of those giants are actually going to be interested in you in order to make an investment. So it's not as bad as the media makes out, I think, but certainly it's undeniable that this dynamic affects the whole sort of macro ecosystem when we talk about anything internet related. You made a very good point with ByteDance taking the extreme that it doesn't rely on any one of them. But there's also the other extreme, which is someone like me, Tuan Tianping, who was first with Alibaba and then went over to Tencent when Alibaba turned on copy against them. Yeah, and actually, there was an interesting interview with Wang Xing once where he revealed that in a conversation he had with Jack Ma and the Alibaba team that Alibaba regrets what they did with Didi. Didi was a merger of a Tencent-backed rideshare company and the Alibaba one, Didi and Kwaidi, right? And they merged them to fight Uber, basically. But Alibaba saw that, looking back on that now, they feel that that was a big mistake. 
So my last question would be, can Luckin Coffee's model be exported to overseas to give Starbucks a real challenge outside China? And that's an excellent question, Bernard, excellent question. I think that's the one I'm thinking about as well, that it's going to happen, it will happen. And probably Singapore will be the first place, I imagine. <laughs> that's a very good point. Luckin clearly has very large ambitions and they're going to saturate the mainland market pretty soon at the rate they're opening stores. There's actually a company that follows their delivery model very closely and also the way how they set up stores are very similar to them, except they don't have the app. I could see Luckin Coffee doing an acquisition if they want to come to Singapore. Right, right. Why not? I mean, uh, what would stop them? I think their model will probably work best in Southeast Asia. And the Southeast Asia probably has a somewhat similar dynamic in terms of there is an opportunity for cups of coffee consumed per capita to increase greatly over the next decade. And I agree with you because unlike the Luckin Coffee app, my Starbucks app on my iPhone is not really do a lot. So I think that there is a positioning that Luckin Coffee can challenge them on the user experience side. Well, Singapore actually, I'm thinking about it a little bit more. It's probably quite a saturated market, I guess, in terms of coffee stores and probably quite fragmented market. If, I mean, you'd know more than me. Perhaps places like Thailand, Vietnam, Philippines, Indonesia might be better for them. I, I'm not sure. But they're not going to stop with just mainland China. That's for sure. So, Matthew, many thanks for coming on the show to talk about Luckin Coffee versus Starbucks in China. In closing, I want to ask, any books to recommend, podcasts, or anything else that had impact to your work or personal life recently? Yeah, so I'm currently reading How to Turn Down a Billion Dollars, the Snapchat story, which is fairly good. I like it. I'm interested in Snapchat. Despite all of their troubles, I think it's a very interesting company. And uh, I do believe eventually they will innovate again and bring something new to the market. And then the other one I have lined up after that is Ready Player One, the book, which I've heard is much better than the film. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'll probably give you a recommendation. The Broken Earth Trilogy by J.K. Nesmin. One of the interesting things is I think she's the first woman author who won the Hugo Award with three books of a trilogy all in a row in the last three years. So it would be probably interesting. And I think one of the books I've been reading, and I just got his autograph, is Kaifu Lee's AI Superpowers. So my last question, how do my audience find you? You can find me on the podcast, China Tech Talk, uh, on Twitter, with, I think it's Embrun and China, on LinkedIn, and on WeChat as well. Mm. And you can definitely find me at Bernard Leong, and you can find our podcast on iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Spotify. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes for Discovery and also a star on Overcast and Pocketcast. And of course, tweet to me your feedback. So once again, Matthew, many thanks for coming on the show. A pleasure as always, Bernard. Thank you.